Hello, and welcome to Belonging Before Believing, the podcast where we answer your questions about the church from the inside. Here we are, and we have a guest again. I don't, I don't know why. You didn't introduce me yet. Will you please get to me first? I don't you always introduce us. No, no, no. Get to me first. I'm Brian Gumpy. And I'm Patrick Mathers. And today we have a guest in studio, hot off the plane. Okay, now you can go. Wow. <laughs> I love the, the look on your face. You wouldn't even think that you had just had to ask me to introduce you like that. You were just like happy that it was your turn. <laughs> so sweet. I'm just glad to be here. So, yes, I don't know why people like being in the room when we record, but here we are, my own brother, Lucas. Luke! Dude. I am a father, not of you. <laughs> Just trying to be Star Warsy. All right. I was trying to be Star Warsy and trying to have your voice. Mine? Well, yours is a better voice than mine. For being Darth Vader? Yeah, probably. For sure. Yeah. For being anybody who sounds like they know what they're talking about. Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy for me and so sad for you. You could sell everything from gum to insurance, Brian, with a voice like you have. Well, thank you. That yep. means a lot. So Does it really? Eh. <laughs> eh. So, yeah, we were, we've been talking about everything from, you know, Lucas's taste in music, Copacabana boy over here. To okay. what to do on a first date. Wait, I have a story, though. When we first got in here, it was like 90 degrees in this room. It was so hot. Now, I'm a fat guy, and I sweat pretty much everywhere, but it was hot in here even for you. Yes. And for Lucas. But what does Lucas do? He crawls over onto the bed and gets under the covers. <laughs> in full <laughs> jeans. <laughs> and T-shirt. I mean, he's dressed. Yeah. He's full. Do you have socks on? I did. You did? You had socks on? Thermals <laughs> with the little pow- with the little uh, poop shoot, you know that little <laughs> wait, 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 <laughs> the little wait, flap wait, that opens up in the back. <laughs> no, your underwear is your thermals. Butt flap. The Got butt. it. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> hey, how old are you, Lucas? Sixteen. Sixteen. That's so awesome. I was a freshman in high school when you were born. I was older. Hey, didn't we figure this out once, Brian? Aren't you and me the same distance apart in age as you and Lucas are in age? Yes, like within like some days, right? No, it's even it's really close. (sighs) Wait, when's your what month were you born? April of eighty-seven. Okay, mine's March of earlier than that. Yes, and he is March. Okay, so it is days. It is yeah. days. Yeah. You shouldn't tell people that because they'll like steal, steal your, your identity. identity, dude. <laughs> All they have to do is know your birthday and your name. Don't tell anybody your birthday if they know your name. And they your steal face. Your identity. Don't ever show your face in public. Especially on a first date. Remember, first date <laughs> advice. <laughs> well, we gave we didn't give first date advice. We gave advice about how and when to kiss specifically. Right. And we said, if you're going to kiss, don't just kiss her on the cheek, because that communicates 
I don't know what I'm doing or fear or anxiety, or I really just am trying to be friends here and I don't, I want to let you off easy. Right. More or less. I'm like panicked right now as to what our female listeners must be thinking. <laughs> I've <laughs> never, I've never, guys. of all the, of all the topics we've tackled right now, <laughs> like how giving a 16 year old advice on how to kiss. I'm sitting here oh, and thinking it's like, so bad. Why are we doing this? I know. You're that's right. my that's my brother, man. Right. Shut up! You're the one that brought this up. <laughs> he brought it up because he went to see Infinity War with a girl. You brought it up. Hey, does Dad know you went to see Infinity War with a girl? Because yeah. he does now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. My dad listens to our podcast. Oh, yeah, I, I hope. I really do. Honestly, hope that all our female listeners just write to us, tell us how stupid we are. I <laughs> want that. Well, I, I really do, especially how stupid you are. Specifically. Maybe we'll work it into the question of the day. <laughs> We've got time to think about it. Oh, no, I got a good one. All I right. got a good question, unless you do. All right. Well, if you're here right now and you want to pause it and go comment about how dumb we are and how... Do it. Yeah. Do it. Well, hey, can... how about the qu- our question of the day? Oh, for us. For us. Who picks and chooses... Which laws should be followed from the Old Testament and which ones are still considered sins? A magisterium of the church. These old men get together with beautiful immaculate robes in a far off distant quarter, sequeltered, sequeltered? Sequestered. Sequestered in a room that has no um, doorknobs. You have to have a secret knock in order to get in, get out. And they gather around a very, very, very old wooden table. And each one has a manuscript that you need to have specific gloves on in order to turn each page. And you need to have studied this particular manuscript and have it memorized in both Greek and Latin in order to even be thought about to be invited to this table. But when you're invited to this table, then, and only then... Are you allowed to decide which laws from the Old Testament matter to the church today? That just made me think of that episode in The Office where Stanley's new thing is he tells this really long, elaborate story, and the punchline is, and shove it up your butt. I was waiting. I know what I did. I was waiting for you to do that. I didn't have that in my mind, but that's exactly what I was doing without the butt part. I was gonna cut you off with that, but I wanted to see how far you could go. Did oh, you, I could go further. I know. I've I, heard you do it before. <laughs> um, did you tell people that you were kidding yet? <laughs> Hopefully, they haven't turned it off. I'm like, oh crap, that's it. <laughs> look, look. Apart from somebody who just started listening to this show, this episode. Every single person is going to know that I was just cracking wise there yeah, and true. was just making up that story, right? No, no, there's not a single person that's honestly going to take that seriously. Okay, so for seriously, who decides? Okay, so there's no one person or one group that's decide. And to be fair to the listener, I'm not assuming that this listener is a Christian. I'm kind of assuming that they're not, or this questioner, I mean, is assuming that they're not a Christian. And so they, they, they might not understand that within the evangelical church, um, Protestant church, there, there's, a, there's many different denominations. And one of the big things that we would find disagreement on is actually how these Old Testament 
laws and truths apply to the New Testament. And so there, there's disagreement even amongst those who call themselves Christians. So to be fair, as we answer this question, um, we want the listener to know that this is how Brian and I, coming from our um, particular theological perspective, answer this question, and that there would be other people who would answer it kind of differently. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's part of what I think is a beautiful thing about the diversity of Christianity, is that God has um, brought a very wide group of people together with very wide different ideas and thoughts and beliefs, and, and that's for the most part okay, as long as we're not um, allowing things to exist that it clearly says are sin which is going to get us right into this topic, right? Because there's a lot of Old Testament stuff that says it's sin that we today would go, yeah, this is not sin. Well, and before we really, really get into it, what you were just saying when you're talking about people from different, you know, backgrounds and different things like that, it made me think about how there are some people who they love to study things like this. Yeah. Um, Not even just, you know, Old Testament stuff, which I love getting into Old Testament stuff. But even things like, you know, um, manuscripts and, you know, learning about, you know, t- textual variants and like all the like the like biblical languages and and uh, biblical history and all of these different things. Like I have some friends and they're some of the nerdiest dudes I've ever met in my life. And I saw one. Of course they are. I saw one post on Facebook the other day about how like, oh, he just loves like curling up with like a glass of red wine and like some like old manuscripts, like books on old manuscripts. I'm like, oh my gosh, like Lord bless you. We need people like you. But. No, dude's got to keep that stuff to himself, dude. <laughs> but Man, don't let people know. <laughs> but my point in bringing this up is, you know, for some Christians, they're going to hear something like, I, I, I don't care like why the Old Testament is the Old Testament, the New Testament is the New Testament, and why the books that are there are the books that are there. I, I just read my Bible and go. Yeah. But for some people, like it's just something that they love to study. And I think that's cool that the Bible is so vast and so rich that um, obviously we want to a- appreciate and um, and study the whole thing, but it's it's vast and deep enough to where, you know, there are nooks and crannies where there are people who just kind of camp out and they become like the specialists in certain areas. And so I think that's cool. So one thing that I want to say right off the bat is we are not going to comprehensively answer this question. No, we're, we're like a, we, we shoot for 25 minutes. We sometimes go over, we're not here trying to answer all of the intricacies. And I know there's specific old Testament sins that people want us to get an answer across. And I think, you know, there, there's some like the, the gay question. What about that in Leviticus? Um, what about like, can you eat certain things in the Bible or can't you eat certain things? That one comes up a lot. Um, what about the Sabbath laws and rituals that comes up, you know, so uh, right now, this episode, we're not trying to get specific. The, the, the LGBTQ question we are planning to get to, and that is in our queue, so it's not like something we're trying to tap dance around, and we'll eventually get to it. Um, but for right now, what we want to do tonight, I think, is most helpful, is give an overarching 
general kind of principles that we use as Christians to help us interpret what Old Testament law applies and what Old Testament law doesn't apply. Does that sound fair, Brian? Sounds fair to me. Okay. So the first thing I would do is say, if we see an Old Testament law explicitly quoted by Jesus as applying to the life of a believer and the apostles reiterating that same principle somewhere in the Acts or in the epistles, then it's something that we're going to need to continue to follow suit in. What's something that we are bound to still follow after as Christians. So a great example would be honoring your father and your mother. Okay. So um, we find Jesus talking about, you know, blessed are the little children. We see Jesus honoring his own father and mother and growing in favor with God and men there in the book of Luke. And then we also find this particular principle, the best example is probably in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul the apostle talks about children should obey your parents because this is the first law with a blessing that's attached to it. And then he talks about how the uh, fathers should treat their children as well. And that's not provoking them to wrath, not treating them in a way that's frustrating and and going counter to how they were created in the image of God. So there we have a law from the Old Testament. One of the interesting things is that we do find all of the Ten Commandments reiterated in some way, shape, or form in Christ and in the Apostles, except for the Sabbath. The Sabbath we see treated differently in the book of Hebrews, and that we're supposed to now find our Sabbath rest not on a day, but in Christ. And I know that's going to be, you know... Uh, kind of controversial to some people who are who are in the Christian church. It's but funny because for, <laughs> for most people, they're you not say gonna... controversial. I was thinking you were going to say over people's heads, but yeah, and that might be true too. But my point is, is that those big ten commandments that everyone points to. You know, if you, I, I've seen videos of guys just going out on the street and asking, "Hey, how do you know you're a good person?" And a lot of people will say, "Oh, I follow the ten commandments," and then they say, you know, like. Well, what are the Ten Commandments? And nobody can name, but like two of them, you know. <laughs> but but those are the the ten that I think everybody kind of would look back to and at least have some kind of understanding. Yet that those those are vital in the Book of Romans in chapter thirteen. Um, Paul goes back and he reiterates the law, and he uses that the last you know um, six commandments apart from the Sabbath. And so those five commandments, he reiterates and says, this is something we're supposed to continue to do. This is how the the law functions for us in three different ways. Number one, it shows me that I'm a sinner. I look at God's law and I realize I don't meet up to that holy standard. The second thing it does is it points to me to God's righteous character and how I should live in light of that. And number three, what it does is it helps us to order society around us. Now, I'm not saying what we're trying to go back and be, you know, Old Testament law, but there's certainly principles from that Old Testament law that we would look at and see, oh, that's that's a good thing. That's a useful thing. That's something that we should continue to do today. And I think that a lot of Christendom has done that and adopted these Old Testament principles and brought them into New Testament life, into New Testament society. And, you know, some of it's had good effect, and some of it hasn't. Some of it's turned really weird. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just, as we're getting into this, like I'm just wondering, trying to imagine what you know our typical average listener is, and if they really know the difference between what we find in the Old Testament versus what we find in the New Testament. Um, obviously, in a lot of, I don't, well, I can't think of an easier way to say it. Kind of ignorant or shallow Christians, they see uh, a lot of, you know difficult things, a lot of kind of burdensome, like a lot of do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, and wrath and judgment and everything else in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, they think, oh, that's when Jesus comes and rescues us from God. And basically, you know, the the big bad God has been, you know, put at ease. <laughs> and now he just gets to be nice. You know no, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I do know what you mean. Um, God in the Old Testament reveals himself as good, as merciful, as loving, as kind, as gentle, as gracious, and many, many other things. And holy is one of the words that he uses as well. The Old Testament law was designed by God to function in a way that showed us his holy character. Now, when Christ came and when he died, he fulfilled a lot of those parts of the law that um, we no longer have to follow. For example, um, food rituals, right. eating certain things. In both in the book of Acts, for example, um, Peter is told there's no longer anything that's unclean, that he can eat whatever he wants to eat by the Holy Spirit. In the book of Mark, um, the disciples are eating food on the Sabbath day and the Pharisees come and say, hey, it's not right that they do that. And Jesus basically said, shut up. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I can tell them to do whatever they want, whatever I want them to do. And it says there, that's my paraphrase, basically. but it says there, in doing this, he declared all foods to be clean. Jesus did that by saying he is Lord of the Sabbath and that it's okay if they eat this grain on the Sabbath day, that he declared all foods to be clean. So what we do is... Well, in days too, right? Yeah, and days too. If we find Jesus fulfilling certain parts of the law and then saying that those certain parts of the law being fulfilled in him no longer are required of us, then that's freeing. That's glorious. When we look back at the Old Testament, the laws that we see that we would say, I don't apply to us isn't the right phrase because they do apply to us because they show us our guilt. But the reason they don't apply to us in terms that we have to follow these laws is because Christ fulfilled those laws perfectly in our place. The ones we still look back and see that we need to be obedient to are those ones that communicate to us God's perfect and holy character. That's why we would say the Ten Commandments are something that we would still want to follow and obey versus um, don't eat shellfish or versus don't wear polyester and cotton blends. You know, those kind of things, the ritual kind of things, the ceremonial kinds of things were all fulfilled in Christ. We don't sacrifice anymore. We don't go offer grain offerings or drink offerings or incense offerings. We don't do those things anymore because they were all fulfilled in Christ. So there are certain aspects of the law which were ceremonial. There are certain ones that were civil. Those the polyester 
mix, you know, don't cut the sides of, of your head, you know, don't tattoo yourselves for the dead. All of those things, if you did those things, you were culturally identifying with the idolatry that existed in that day and age. Well, those are fulfilled in Christ. So no, now I am no longer obligated to fulfill those things. You know, those things don't culturally identify me as an idol worshiper. If there were some things that did, I'd probably want to avoid that just on a practical level. But it doesn't mean that I'm violating God's law, you know, because I let my sideburns grow or I shave my sideburns or I get a tattoo of an anchor. <laughs> nice. So in what sense are there things that in the law that Christ didn't fulfill or is there? Because we're talking about things that we need to obey from the Old Testament, or that we don't need to obey from the Old Testament, it's because they've been fulfilled in Christ, right? Right, right. So what what I would say is that it, anything that we would do, well, not what I would say. Let me let me read what Paul was Paul says here. Oh no one. This is in Romans chapter thirteen. Oh no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know that the time, that the hour has come to wake from sleep. Salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So here Paul lays that out, how we... What, what do we see fulfilled in Christ is him completely and totally fulfilling the law perfectly. And now what do we do is we try to live like Christ did. We try to live in the same manner that he did, with the same love that he did, with the same compassion that he did, with the same mercy and grace and, and judgment for some people, right? I mean, those religious hypocrites, he certainly had a whole lot of harsh things to say. And he could say those things because he had fulfilled the law and they were violating the law in a way that they were hypocrites, hypocrites, whereas the regular sinner was just living life and they did need to be called to repentance and still do, but they don't have the harsh words said to them because they're not living duplicitously. So when we talk about Christ fulfilling the law, he fulfilled the whole law so that we can be saved. As Christians, we still follow the law because we want to be like Jesus because we just love him and we want to walk after him and follow his ways. So when we're talking about this part of the law, we're talking about, man, I, I don't want to live like the rest of the world does. Now in the Roman days, now I, I'm going to assume nobody has hardly any understanding of Roman history, but they were perverted people. They were sick and twisted in so many ways, uh, morally, sexually. I mean, it was bad. It was the worst possible debauchery that we could conceive of or think of was going on just regularly there as acts of worship, as just a lifestyle. It was, it was sick and twisted. And so what he's commanding them to live against here 
is that kind of culture and that kind of life. It isn't, you know, you need to be completely perfectly sanitized in order to be a Christian. It means that when people see your lives, they shouldn't see you exactly the same way as they see the rest of the world living. Now, as Christians, that's because I just want to live like that. It's not because that I'm like, oh, dang, I got to follow this law. It's like, it really is. I'm free to really be myself in Christ now. And I'm still going to struggle with sin, but I know there's no condemnation for me. I'm still going to break the law, but God's not mad at me. I'm still going to be disobedient and I'm still going to do things I know I shouldn't do, but God's going to correct me. And he's going to get me back on the path that he intends for me to go. And so when I think about the law, what I think about it more right now is, you know, I, it, I, I want to think about it as a very wide, you know, um, guard that keeps me on the road. It, it's not something that I ever really worry about or think about, you know, those guardrails on the side of the road. I'm never like pissed that they're there. You know, I'm not like these stupid government putting up side rails. I can go wherever I want to go, right? No, it's th- they're there at the very worst possible times because people have crashed and died there. So they put them up there to keep you from having that same horrible fate that somebody else did. That's the way the law functions as a Christian now. It, it isn't some kind of, you know, overbearing thing. It's something that I, I need to realize this is for the best. This is something that benefits me and those around me. It keeps me safe. It keeps people around me safe. Right. I mean, we see the longest chapter in all of Scripture. Psalm 119 is 176 verses of this dude who's going on and on and on about how much what he's, you know, uh, hates he loves the, the law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> loves but he's it. not going on and on. I can just see him going, this is so good. I love this. I'm so overjoyed because that's when the when the spirit fills your soul with that kind of joy. You're in love with it. Oh yeah, 176 verses is going on and on, dude. It's not a bad thing. Uh, okay, okay, he's going on and on about all how right, much he loves right, the law, right. though. I don't see it negatively. No, I don't either. Okay, no, not at all. Um, so yeah, we <laughs> we we see him having plenty and plenty to talk about without even like really getting that repetitive, which poetry is like intentionally repetitive. So yeah, I don't know. I thought that was cool. Poets are remarkable, man. Yeah. I love them. I don't, I don't get, I wish I got poetry better. Well, and this is like sidebar, like bonus, like just kind of Bible geek knowledge. But like the coolest thing about biblical poetry is the, it's the rhyming of ideas instead of the rhyming of words. So that when it's translated into whatever language that the Bible gets translated into, the poetry is perfectly it preserved. It still works. It's still poetry because it's the rhyming of ideas, not the rhyming of words. Yeah, so brilliant. So Isn't that cool. cra- you can take the word of God and you can translate it in any language and plop it down in there. And people are going to appreciate it. Yep. It's going to be so good. And God's so good like that. You know, and the law works the same way mm-hmm. the, what I just read in Romans 13, you could take that passage and apply it into Tagali. You could translate it into Aboriginal language. You could translate it into um, Taiwanese, whatever. You can translate this into that language and plop it down there. And it's going to be just as rich and important and vibrant. And that just communicates to our common 
human ancestry, human nature, and that we're all created in the image of God. This resonates with us because this is God and his character on display. You got a question of the day? I do. Let me get my phone here. Hold on. Look at you prepping for stuff. Do you ready? I'm ready. This might take you a second to think about, so I'll give you mine first after I give the question. What is your least favorite generic movie line? What is your least favorite generic movie line? Mine is, you don't know what he's capable of. Oh, gosh. How, that's in all everything. You, the last time I heard it was when I was watching Jessica Jones, the second season. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you writers, can't you come up with something more creative than that? Dude, it's a love-hate Brian, you don't know what he's capable of. It's a love-hate relationship between me and the writers of those Netflix Marvel ones. <laughs> There's a lot of cliches there. Oh, gosh. You know, maybe this isn't generic enough because I'm thinking of a very, very specific instance in a movie, but when somebody tells the other person, you're breaking my heart. Anakin. Oh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> maybe that's not generic enough. But no, that is. That uh, is. Uh, uh. So, rephrase, or say the question again. What is your least favorite? And and I guess the, the best way to say it is... Um, uh, now I can't think of the right word. Movie line cliche. Cliche. Thank you. What's your least favorite movie line cliche? Yes. Boom. Guys, also hit us up with more questions. Please DM us on Instagram at belonging before believing. Hit us up on Twitter at belong before belief. You can find us on Facebook. Also, you can email us at belonging before believing at sovereignjoycf. Dot org. Boys and girls, we believe that you belong. Yeah.